Hi, I'm Mel. And I'm Safs. And we're going to take you away from the play. We had Sasha Gavami. He is an attorney and an NFLPA and CFLPA certified agent, all around good guy. And also, yes, and also, he started his own company with his mother called Vision Ahead and After Sports, a sports management and representation agency. So it was interesting, you know, we overall we were able to learn a lot about how he got his start as a sports agent we even dove into the art of negotiating contracts and his views on the industry and what it takes to be a successful sports agent and of course we got to hear some really fun stories about one of his most popular clients in Laurent Duvernay Tardif Kansas City Super Bowl champion and doctor so that was really a lot of fun and you know we recorded this episode back in November and we really hit it off with Sasha. So we've just been looking forward to sharing this episode with you all. So without further ado, you know, we hope you enjoy this episode as much as Mel and I enjoyed speaking to Sasha about being a sports agent. Cheers. Welcome back, everyone. We're so excited. We have Sasha with us. And we're really excited to have you, Sasha. How are you holding up right now? Obviously, hey. we're at home. Yeah, no, doing well. Thanks for having me on on, on this, Avi. And I, I was very happy when I got the, the request. So happy to be here. And uh, yeah, things are going well and all. You know, pandemic is, is another world, but we're, we're adapting. So Excellent. I mean, you're our first sports agent and lawyer, I think, on the show. So we're really excited because this is like a branch of sports that not a lot of people know. Um, any details about. Um, I'm just curious, like in your bio on your sports management website, you had said that this was kind of a dream of yours since you were little. Um, mm-hmm. Where did that come from? Because it, it is kind of like a, a little fringe job that no one really knows about. How did you aspire to be a sports agent? Yeah, it's kind of weird. Eh? I mean, it was, uh, I mean, growing up, I, I was really the type of kid who would kind of like watch Sports Center on repeat, you know, during summer vacation, pretty much from 8 a.m. <laughs> to like noon. It's kind of weird because you know it's the same recording. One I kind of did that to, too. Yeah, <laughs> right. And you try to watch it, and you're like watching the same thing over and over again, and maybe hoping that something will change at some point. But no, it's just it's just reruns. Um, but I was I was a huge sports fan, sports nerd, sports geek, whatever you want to call it. And um, you know, and when I was a kid, I was I was following it so much. Like I pretty much knew the the different athletes and coaches and all major you you know North American sports, whether it be football, basketball, baseball, or hockey. And um, at some point, I don't, I think it was during the, um, I think it was like early 2000s, you know, maybe around a little, a little before the lockout in 04 with hockey, I kind of discovered a little bit more um, the role of an agent. I liked it in the sense of, you know, every time I would hear about trades or free agency or signings, I would often hear, you know, this player's agent uh, was mm. in contact with the team. and Got me curious. I started you know, tried to learn a little bit more about it. And I kind of discovered that, well, you know, being a sports agent is basically like being an attorney and you're representing athletes and mm-hmm. you're, you're helping them navigate through the stuff off the, off the ice or off the field. Um, but it's also heavily involved in the sports world. So you kind of keep your, uh, you know, you, you keep yourself involved in that area. And I was a, I was a tennis player going up and I was, I enjoyed playing it a lot. I played at a decent level, but, um, my you know I really knew that I wasn't gonna make a career out of it so I don't know it was kind of weird like you said I, I I young like I was maybe 10 11 that I that's what I wanted to do and um kind of stuck with it all throughout high school and CJP and college and you know not even thinking I was ever gonna be able to do it but saying you know what if ever there's an opportunity I'll, I wouldn't say no so so yeah I think I credit sports center on repeat <laughs> that's awesome though and and like right now you're doing mainly football is my understanding was it always football or is it kind of like the opportunity presented itself so you you grab the bull by the horns let's say yeah more the latter uh I mean it, it was one of the things where I started watching you know football intensely probably around 11 12 years old um you know I started I picked you know started following a team my favorite team 
Chargers, unfortunately, a lot of disappointment. And, and, and I, and I, times. you know, <laughs> I kind of, you know, followed it a lot. And, and, but I also followed hockey, a lot of big Habs fan and, and, and baseball, you know, and, and just different sports. Um, you know, met Laurent uh, Duvernay Tardif in CJEP, who became one of my best friends. And um, really, he wasn't all that great of a football player back then. I mean, I say that openly. I think he would agree. He would attest to that. And he was he was big. He was bigger than everybody. But he wasn't, um, albeit a superstar at all, he was a decent, okay football player. And he kind of blossomed throughout college. And when he came to me with the opportunity, um, you know, I kind of said, you know what, whatever, let's, let's just go for it. And this is the opportunity of a lifetime. Might as well try it out here. And, and lo and behold, it, it worked out. And so I, on the pro side, I, I do football, but I also, uh, because I'm, a, I'm, I love all other sports, I've been doing for two and a half years, uh, started a company with my mom who um, we actually help student athletes go play college sports. And uh, we help them navigate through that and, and get into college hockey. Where we have a lot of hockey players, uh, uh, baseball, uh, basketball, soccer, golf, tennis, lacrosse. Um, so we do a very variety of sports in that business, but that's more for the college and getting a diploma. But on the pro side, I've, I've, I started with football because the opportunity presented itself and I decided to just stick with it and kind of see it, you know, how, uh, how I can develop it. And so far it's been going good. That's really cool. I mean, we definitely want to get into the company that you started with your mom. Cause that's just like at the base, the fact you started with your mom is just yeah. the coolest thing. Um, <laughs> but we'll get into that later. We want to dive in more into the first half, I guess, of your, sure. of your career. I mean, you mentioned Nakhan, you met him in Sejep. Um, you know, can you, can you maybe expand on that experience? I mean, at the time, I mean, Sejep were all like, what, 18, 19 years old at, at that point, more or less. It's like, you know, you wouldn't expect an opportunity like that to fall in your lap. But at the time, like you said, you didn't know Laurent would become who he is today. So can you, can you go into that a bit? Yeah, I mean, it's one of those stories that I always, you know, when I talk about it, it kind of, it always brings back other details, right? It's fun to talk, it's, it's fun to remember those moments. Um, you know, we were in CJ, we were just a bunch of, you know, group, group of friends, group of guys that really didn't have a care in the world and having a good time, you know, like it was just typical what you would do in, in Sejep and in, in university. Laurent, we met him in Sejep, he came from the South Shore and his, his grandmother lived in the Unsec area, I went to Grasset, uh, Sejep and all my high school friends, or pretty much all of them, went to uh, Grasset too, so we had our group of friends and they met, they, all my friends played football, I was the only one who didn't play football, um, probably knew more about the NFL and CFL than they did all combined, but, but I, I didn't play at the game. I was not the body type at all to, to do that. And so uh, we got the stage up and they met around the football team and he, he integrated our group of friends and we hit it off and, you know, he was, he was part of the group. And, um, you know, at the time, I mean, he was big, like he was six, five, but he was a lot lighter back then. He was around two forty, um, and he was playing defensive line instead of offensive line. And so he was playing, you know, he was playing then and, you know, like it just, the way he got to college, what got to McGill, I mean, he, he, he went in, you know, he ultimately started there on the football team. McGill wasn't, didn't have a very good football team back then. Mm -hmm. um, you know, our first semester stopped playing football. We were obviously in contact, but, um, you know, he was in med school, I was in law school. So we were seeing each other on, on, on occasions, uh, you know, when we would get together as a group, but everybody got a bit more busy in college, right? It was a bit, it was a bit different. Um, and then all of a sudden, like, if you fast forward, you know, two years, three years, he ended up back on the football team and, and he ended up switching positions. And to be very honest, like I didn't, I didn't really follow much of his university career up until um, probably June, no, May of 2013, which is the year before, like he, his last season would have been uh, September of 2013. So right. before his senior year. So I'm actually in Australia at the time. And um, I was on an exchange program to do my final semester at university of Western Australia in Perth and figured it was a, a nice way to end your degree by, going in Australia and living definitely not a bad idea <laughs> might as well so uh, I'm over there and I'm and I'm on uh, like everybody at that time that time of life would have been on you know Facebook or Instagram at that time I did late at night before going to bed and I, I see this this uh, article come up from the CFL website talking about the top the best prospects in, in in Canada for the upcoming CFL draft which is gonna be in a year and I see Laurent's name first I'm like wow so Started, started looking it up and you know Laurent wasn't the type to brag about it I mean he would he would just talk about football and not really he didn't act to be honest he had no idea what was going on like he just, <laughs> he he just showed up and played. Uh, he, he didn't know like I mean I'm sure like I would have had those discussions with him before he you know he just did what, what he was told to go do this go do this go, go to this all-star game and see what happens and uh, so I started looking him up and I said wow like and I, and I get his testing numbers and 
I'm like, wow, this is like impressive. I start comparing them. I do my research, start comparing them to NFL first round, second round picks. And he's in those numbers. And I'm like, this is like freaky. I mean, he went up to like 315 pounds in about a year and a half because he changed positions and all that. And then the next day, I get on a call with one of my buddies who we have in common, and he's talking to me about they went out to a bar the night before with Laurent. They were talking, and, and he was saying that he's got a whole bunch of agents on him. And I said, oh, that's great. You know, good for him. And he says, yeah, but he wants to talk to you. I think he wants you to be his agent. And my, draw, my jaw dropped on, on the <laughs> Skype because I don't even think FaceTime existed back then. It was like Skype. Yeah. Um, and, and I was like, are you serious? Says, yeah, he was going to call you. But Laurent's terrible with phones, like technology as a whole. They're, they're awful. Like, so I said, they're gonna, he's going to call me. First of all, he probably doesn't know, like, how to reach me. And he doesn't know how to yeah. use Facebook Messenger video call or whatever. So I'm like, he's never going to reach me when I'm on the other side of the world. You got a letter two so, months so, later. Yeah. So I, I just started, you know, I was like, you know what? Let me just start harassing him to a point where he's going to say, like, am I in danger? So I, like, <laughs> I message him. I, met, I, like, I, I, I said, I need to talk to you, Matt. I need to talk to you. And then finally he calls me and he's like, hey, how's it going? I'm like, yeah, man. So I heard this. Is this true? He's like, yeah, I have some like NFL teams call like the, the Baltimore Texans or whatever. I said, no, the Houston Texans. He says, I said, yeah. He says, yeah, they called the school. And then another team called the school. I don't know these teams. Sasha. So I got a bunch of agents calling me. I don't know how they, I don't know like what to do, but I said, I know you've always wanted to do this. And CJ, if you were joking around that if ever one of us made pro, you'd be our agent. I said, well, would you be interested? I'm like, don't joke with this, man. Like I said, this is, you gotta, you, you have, you, you gotta keep this. Don't, don't play games here. You know, yeah. like this is <laughs> my dream. You're playing. With he's my like, dream. Yeah. He's like, no, no, I'm serious. Like, would you be interested? I said, listen, I am. I said, I'm in Australia right now. I said, I'm coming back. I think it was like the 26th of June. And he says, well, I'm going to be gone in Europe by then. I said, when do you leave? He says, I leave the 22nd. And my exam was on the 20th, my last one. I was going to take a few days to sightsee. So I'm like, <laughs> all right, let me get back to you. So I, I said, I'm going to get, I'm going to put up a plan. And I want to meet you before you go to Europe. And I said, if you like the plan, I want, we can work together. But if you don't, I don't want this to be like a friend deal because you have a shot here. Like you have a yeah. shot at making it. But if you go with me because I'm your buddy and I don't do the job and you don't make it, that's going to just ruin our friendship. And, you know, yeah. so hung up with him, called Air Canada, found the flight to change. So I changed it for the evening of my exam. <laughs> so my, my roommates are like you're leaving after I said yeah I have to leave after my exam everybody thought it was kind of crazy I spent yeah. like two nights all night <laughs> researching and looking out because in Australia like 1 a.m. 1 is like 1 p.m. here right so if I want to get stuff done I have to do it based on the time zone um, in, in, <laughs> you didn't in, study for your exam did you so, right? <laughs> I, I mean it's Australia we'll figure it out we'll wing it and I put together this plan so I, I, I you know drafted my whole proposal and I got on a plane after my exam and ultimately met with him. I landed and the day before I met with him at a bar. I'll always remember on the corner of Sherbrooke and Jean Mans. And uh, we met, we went there. There you go. And uh, we, we, we sat down, I presented him the plan and he's like, yeah, let's do it. And we started together. That's how the whole thing got started and kind of, you know, fast forward to not even a year, maybe 11 months later. And he's, 10 months later and he's drafted in the NFL. So yeah, it kind of was a pretty cool wild year. time. Yeah. I mean, it's good. You, you took your shot and it's, it's nice that like he, he had faith in you, at least to like present it as an option, knowing it was something you wanted to do. Um, I want to know a little bit more about uh, organizing his pro day. First off, I didn't even know agents did that. Like when I read that, it was, like, was like, okay. I was like, okay. I was like, well, and then I got to think, I was like, who normally organized this? But tell us like how that went down and maybe why you were so involved in it and yeah, so how it generally happens. No, that's a great question. I mean, agents don't organize pro days and it's, it's something that is, it's a pro day by definition is organized by the school. Okay. Um, so it's uh, in, in the, in the U S colleges, like you have Alabama pro day, uh, Louisville pro day, yeah. you know, and, and these, the schools organize them. Agents are sometimes not even allowed to be there. Like it's just okay. really, a, it's a school event. Um, so in my plan for Laurent, because I knew literally nobody in the NFL circles, like I had no, con I didn't even know the high school coach in my backyard. Like I, I didn't have any contacts. Mm -hmm. I said, one thing I'd like to do is I'd like to work with, I'll find a, a U.S. agent yeah. who's got contacts who can help us and be our U.S. liaison that we can work together with. So I did that with Laurent. 
And so I, he, Laurent got invited to the East-West Shrine game, which is one of the biggest all-star games in the U.S. Um, and that's where he kind of got his draft stock going up is when he went to that event and he played well, got him an opportunity. Um, following that event, Laurent didn't get invited to the NFL Combine, which we, which we expected. And the CFL Combine, we thought would be a great opportunity for Laurent to get his testing numbers and have NFL scouts come. But pardon me, the NFL, the CFL league office would not let NFL scouts come. So it's a oh, CFL event. I see. Okay. We don't let NFL uh, scouts come here. Be, you know, all the, the NFL Combine is let CFL scouts go. So yeah, okay, okay. You know, territorial stuff. And, okay. So we all get on the phone, the three of us, and we're like, so what do we do? And then, you know, the, the idea came about of saying, well, you know, what if we did a pro day at McGill? And McGill had never done this, so <laughs> they were like, um, "We've never had this." <laughs> yeah, so I'm like, "Yeah, that's a good idea. Let's let's do that." But we have to we have to organize it. So I told you know my U.S. counterpart, um, I spoke to you know sent the memo out to the teams, sent it to the league office that we were going to hold a pro day at this date. Um, I was in charge of basically organizing the thing in Montreal, making sure that it was going because it was one of those things where you're going to get scouts to cross the border, which is already a big deal because not a lot of scouts end up crossing the U S border at all. A lot of scouts don't even have passports. I remember a story where the, it blows the, my mind. <laughs> one of the teams had to send a, a scout up to see one of my players later on. And, and normally it's a Northeast scout or the Canadian, um, you, a college scout who goes and they have to send their Midwest scout because he was the only one on a passport. Funny, you know, <laughs> wow. like, so it's one of those things where, you know, you don't think of, but, yeah. So, you know, ultimately we ended up having to organize a pro day and working with McGill and, and putting it together and kind of creating this McGill pro day, but for one player, which is I was like, going to say, did anyone else attend? <laughs> well, I mean, to be fair and very honest, like it, it's one of the, you know, NFL scouts are coming. You don't want to all of a sudden bring out the whole, the whole roster and, you know, on, most of them, well, besides Laurent, the others weren't of NFL potential. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, not, not to say they're not good players, just the yeah. NFL is, is tough. Right. So. Um, you know, we kept it with one player. So it was like McGill Pro Day and Laurent's picture, which like scouts were saying, what is this? is the weirdest thing, you know? We got one guy in Montreal. Let's go. Yeah. And then we have them over and Laurent's parents have bakeries. And, and so we had like this breakfast spread of bread and then they had the coffees. And it was like almost like you were at like a, a music festival experience, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, the, the football field with all the drills set up and the, there must have been 40 media members. So Honestly, the there's like one in. guy running. <laughs> They're like, wild. what is all this frenzy with all this media? And then we had like a, a, a spread for the for lunch and the buffet. And they were they, to this day, I see scouts and they still tell me about that pro day. And they're like, that was the best pro day. Like we had the best time. First of all, we're Montreal, like yeah. the best city in the world. Yeah. And then they're like, we get there and we're treated like royalty. And we have like this, this guy who's a great player, who's like a wonderful prospect. And you got like a Hollywood red carpet with all the people taking pictures of when us. the whole town's it, behind it was, them. It was insane. It was crazy. And it was the first, I mean, to my knowledge, it was the first pro day done in Quebec soil, possibly in Canadian soil. Um, okay. I don't know that for sure because I don't have the history of football over the past hundred years, yeah. but, but it was, it was a really surreal experience. So yeah, it was a, it was pretty cool. Was it difficult to, to convince kind of the scouts to come? You know, like you have one player, right? Was it, they have to fly here, stay in a hotel. Like, was it hard or they, they had this much like confidence in, in the Ross potential that they were like, no problem. You set it up. We'll be there. No, the, there was a, there was interest. There was interest. Okay. I mean, it wasn't um, a hard sales job. I think, uh, okay. um, you know, sometimes when, when you see players and, not all of them are that of that level and you're like, okay, you know, like that's harder to get scouts yeah. there. But the way he performed at the Shrine game, his measurables, I mean, 6'5", 315, lean, um, you know, we're not talking about a 35% body fat. You know, we're talking about a guy who kept a very healthy and very athletic body fat percentage, move very well. His testing scores was, were going to be very good. Um, mm -hmm. And obviously, you know, scouts know Montreal for all the the, you know, the, the, the great nightlife, other the great restaurants, the other reasons, you know, <laughs> like, hey, incentive. Like, if I can come here and, and enjoy, and uh, enjoy myself for a weekend, instead of being in the middle of Iowa. Where <laughs> yeah, I, seriously. I, and I like, have it's no idea be where I am. So, you know, it wasn't that, that difficult, but, um, you know, whether it's one player or not, I mean, Laura ended up having draftable grade on him. So it was, I think the biggest thing was we, we didn't think about it at the time, but when we set the date, it was the same date as Johnny Manziel's pro day. Now at the time, Johnny Manziel was a big deal. Yeah. Uh, he, he kind of didn't, didn't prosper as a prospect as much as people thought, but he, um, he was a big prospect coming out of college. I remember we had, so we had our nine NFL teams there. And we were like, oh, this is great. Then we look and 
Johnny Manziel has 23 or 30 or whatever it was. I'm like, oh, all right. <laughs> I mean, we're not there yet, but hey, at least we've got nine. Yeah, that's awesome. It's funny because both Mel and I read the article on Podium, where it was kind of like your own voice talking about that day. And yeah. my heart dropped when Laurent oh. joked that he was sick and couldn't make it. I, because like I, I worked in PR for, that's how Mel and I went, met in women's okay. hockey and then for the Laval Rockets. So it's like, Whenever, you know, everything's going super well and then the player cancels because, you know, they're not feeling good and then you have to tell everybody, my heart sank. And then when it was just a joke, <laughs> I had to take a break. I couldn't it, keep reading. It was so believable when yeah. he called me. Like, he really did a good job. He called me and I was, and I was telling him, he, he came back from training in the U.S. and he had to do his rotation in pediatrics. Because or else, like he, he had this, he had this. So he came back ten days before the pro day, and he started doing his rotation, and it was like flu season, you know. And I'm like, yeah. Laurent, like, please be <laughs> careful, man. Like, I, I, we can't afford any mishap here. This is it. This is the shot. And the morning of, I'm, I'm barely slept. I'm on adrenaline rush like crazy, and I'm driving with Laurent's trainer, his girlfriend, my counterpart in the U.S. We're in the car, all pumped. And I get the call and he's telling me and he said, Sasha, I'm sorry, man. Like, I, I don't feel well. Man. I, oh I must God. have caught the bug. I, I, I've been throwing up all night. I'm done. I'm like, and I, I just, I just like, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm a bit tanned like by nature, but I want to, <laughs> I, I mean, I'm like, and, and, and I'm like, are you serious? And he's like, yeah, man, I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. I know you worked hard. I just tell the scouts I apologize. I'm like, oh my God. Oh my God. And he's like, oh, I'm just kidding, man. I'll be there in 20 minutes. We're going we're gonna to rock this out of the park. So I'm like, oh, okay. oh my God. <laughs> oh, man. That's what a guy. So, okay, so flash forward. Okay, Laurent gets drafted. You know, this becomes like this huge thing. It's a big deal. Like all of Quebec, and I would even argue Canada is like focusing on this guy. Like it's incredible. But I remember, again, reading that, that profile or that feature in Podium it was a bit of a weird time for you because after that you were trying to get more clients, but there was this perception out there because, you know, you were quite young at the time, I think uh, early twenties by uh, 2014. And, and then, you know, there was this perception out there that, Oh, well maybe it was a fluke, you know? So on your end, trying to build your career as a, as an agent, how did you overcome that perception to, to kind of, you know, get more, more clients moving forward? Yeah, it was tough. I mean, it was, um, you know, Laurent, we lived such a high, such an experience. And the year after, I remember saying, you know, I, I, I said, let me go recruit some. I'd like to do this more, you know, try to get this going and try to get this moving. And, uh, you know, it was funny. I had, a, I had a call with the scout from the NFL who I became buddies with, with during the process. And I called him in about June, about a, two months, a month and a half after Laurent got drafted. And I was like, listen, I like to pick your brain. I said, I really want to do this. I'd like to try to do uh, this more. Do you recommend that I go uh, meet GMs and meet scouts and shake hands, you know, type of thing and, and, and go to different events? And he always, he told me something I'll never forget. He says, Sasha, he says, I'm going to be very honest. We don't care about you. We care about the players. And he says, if you bring us good players, you'll make all the contacts in the world. But if you don't, we'll be civil. We'll shake your hand. We'll say hi, but you are no use to us. And that's the reality of the NFL. That's how mm -hmm. pro sports. That's how pro sports work. Mm -hmm. So I said, okay. Well, so then I, you know, I get that's a very good, very good advice, and let's just keep focusing on that. So going to meet players, it was tough because a lot of the players saw me as, you know, I was 22, 23 at the time, and you know, am I serious? Am I just Laurent's friend that was a one-hit wonder? Yeah. Um, do I know what I'm doing? Can I help with other players that I don't have the same connection with in terms of I haven't known them for as long? So. The year after, I remember it was the 2015 CFL draft. Um, I recruited, you know, the top players and I didn't sign one of the top players. And then I recruited because I also, I was at the same time, I was recruiting guys that I liked a lot, the profile, uh, harder worker, blue collar type players um, who were probably going to be drafted in the later rounds. And they ended up signing with me. Um, and, you know, I would getting this stigma. Oh, Sasha's only going to get the late round uh, undrafted CFL picks. He was just a one hit wonder. And I never looked at players as being in different categories. I mean, it, uh, the draft is just a way to get into the league. Mm -hmm. The moment yeah. you get drafted, the moment, or even if you don't get drafted, if you get signed, the moment you're in camp, 
you can win a job and become a successful CFL player or successful pro football player, or NFL player, whatever it is. And, and, and that doesn't really, I don't really care about where you're slotted in the draft. And I have a bunch of clients now who play pro who were either undrafted or drafted very late and made a very successful career out of it. So one of those things where I think I think what ended up happening was, you know, just by being pers- persistent and perseverant and, and not letting the no's discourage the potential yeses ultimately. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know, you got to keep going at it. So when I got those players and they ended up making it the year after, I think the other, the next generation, the next batch of players saw that, okay, Laurent's in the league. He's still in the league. He's performing. Um, you got these players who were not the superstars, but Sasha stuck by them and helped them get into the league. And now, well, maybe he can help others. So I think it just showed, you know, ultimately an agent is a person and a player is a person. You got to hit it off with the personalities and you got to, you got to make sure that there's a fit there because the agent's going to be somebody that you can rely on during and after your career. It's it's something that, you know, you want to be able to build that relationship and keep it going. But it was a, I wouldn't call it a wake up call because that wake up call would insinuate that I wasn't expecting it. I was Mm -hmm. fully expecting that. I was, I was, I knew that when Laurent's, when the, when, you know, everything was going to come back down and we were going to kind of dust will settle that um, Laurent wouldn't, you know, I cannot just base myself on his success to tr- start saying that I'm going to sign the next Laurent, the next, like it doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a lot more. Um, it's going to take a lot more persistence. So uh, yeah, it was, it was a bit, it was a learning curve like any business and you know, every year you've got to redo it. I, mean, I don't take anything for granted. I mean, every year I got to try to find the best talent and the best players and, and the best people and, and, and hopefully they sign with me. But if, there's also potential that they don't and that's just part of the business yeah and I mean at the end of the day like there's only, there's gonna be few Laurent like the bulk of any <laughs> league is kind of like the people that you don't really know how how they got there you don't know their journey but like they're just as important to a team like a football team's huge and I mean not not like a big football watcher but everyone knows like probably five players on it big names yeah yeah um, exactly so, you know, there's a bulk of people that need representation. I'm curious, you know, with your uh, U.S. counterpart, I guess it's Chad Speck at the time, yeah. you know, you, yeah. you negotiated like a huge contract for Laurent, like $40 million over five-year period. You know, what was it like, I guess, negotiating such a large contract? Does it change? Like, does the price change at the end of the day? It's like, you know, this is the value of the player. This is what you need. This is what he needs. And, and what did you learn from that experience? so much I learned a lot I mean it was a great experience I think you know going into the negotiation um you know Chad and I had done our homework we prepped uh, the whole file and we had you know what I mean by that is what are the comparables what is the market you know ultimately what you want to establish what is the market for a player Mm -hmm. so people look at the numbers and they're like oh my god how did you guys manage that but ultimately that was the market for Laurent Laurent was coming off two really good seasons um, he had progressed. He was really a, a cornerstone of the offensive line and a young player and had, the, you know, had done a lot of good things. And general manager and the whole staff was interested in extending him and not having to wait um, another year and have him risk testing free agency because if you want to build around your offensive line, he was a starting offensive lineman. And so ultimately what, what the work there to be done is to establish what the market is. And when you know what your market is, then it's a lot easier to pardon me, to navigate through that and to be able to make sure that you're not undervaluing your player and understanding what the opportunities for this are. I think our, 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 you know, what helped us was when we understood and we knew Laurent was playing such a high level, you're able to place him in the top five, top 10 of the league in terms mm-hmm. of play. And then you look at, so top five, top 10 to play equals top five, top 10 pay, right? Yeah. So then you look at the salary yeah. and all that. But I think it's, you know, I negotiate CFL contracts, negotiate NFL contracts and, and, Ultimately, you 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 the num you cannot let the n- the number of zeros um, affect the yeah. way you approach it because a market's a market. Whether you're buying a, a pack of apples at the at the market at the grocery store, or whether you're buying a car or a house, or um, in this case, a football player, you need to <laughs> you need to see what that value is. Yeah. So um, I think that that's where with Laurent and with you know, with Chad, we, we put together a good file and we had our, we had our, we knew that if we didn't get the offer we wanted, we were going to play out the year. And then eventually he would become an unrestricted free agent, which would open his market up to many teams. And, mm-hmm. and then with the more teams, more offers would maybe bring the price up. So Kansas City knew that too. And ultimately we weren't trying to be greedy. We were just trying to find something that was fair and we got it. Yeah. We got a deal done that, that made sense. So it all worked out. So it's interesting. Cause I mean, obviously your first, 
experience is with Laurent, who ended up becoming this huge uh, star winning the Super Bowl. And obviously, I feel like the the pride of Quebec. But before all of that, you know, first and foremost, you guys were friends. Yeah. You know, you had that foundation. And I, I wonder, I, you know, I think a lot of other agents might not have a, like a, that kind of relationship with their clients or even with their first clients. So I'm wondering, you know, how did that first experience with Laurent affect the way you perceive your profession and the way you conduct your business as an agent? Because like I can imagine having a personal relationship with a client that goes beyond contracts and numbers can have an impact on the way you want to treat your clients and the types of relationships that you seek with them as well. Yeah, um, it was unique. You know, it was a it was a great weird great way to start a career. You couldn't ask for better. At the same time, it was one of those things that if you weren't careful and if you expected that to be repeated, you'd be heavily disappointed. I think it's all about expectations, right? I mean. I took the concepts of what I built with Laurent and in turn, you know, we have a friendship and we use that as a foundation for our business relationship, which we've been working together ever since. Um, I think with other clients, which I might not have the same relationship because we didn't know each other until football, mm -hmm. you know, the context, you cannot try to recreate that it and force it. I think what's important is to build the personal relationship and to be, to, to, to show who you are as an individual. I said it before, you know, like, there are agents and players and coaches and scouts and, but ultimately we're all people. And if you find a way to connect person to person and even in a business context, it'll make things a lot easier and it'll make things more enjoyable. And so even if my clients, uh, they're not necessarily, they're going to call me uh, on, on every day to talk about their day and talk about their, their general lives. They know that if they need something or if they need assistance or if they, they, they can rely on me. And I think that that's the, that's the strong part. And I think that's the strength of what I've tried to build with other players is not to try to recreate something like with Laurent, but, but let it happen organically and let it happen naturally. Mm -hmm. um, I always compare, it's kind of funny, but I always compare recruiting clients to dating in a way. <laughs> and, and, and I say, you know, you, you got to build, you got to go and build the relationship and you got to make sure that, it's, you know, the communication is there and that players are always, in, are always in a position where they can know that if they need something, especially during pandemic, as a great example, they need assistance, um, that they can ask me whether I can or cannot help them is one thing depending on what the ask is, but they are comfortable enough to do so. And I think that that's always something that's very important. Well, you just brought up the pandemic. Like, I'm curious, how has your, your profession been affected by it it was something we were going to ask later but now that you brought it up it seems that like uh i feel like there's been a bit of a change there too yeah i mean it's been tough for sports in general right i mean we all we all watch it we all see i think everybody in the sports industry whether it be sports reporters sports journalists uh, uh teams management players coaches um you know anything to do with sports is, is hit hard um you know for me it was sure the obvious is no CFL this year means no revenues means players, you know, all that is connected. Um, I think for players, it showed the importance of the after career. It showed them the importance of building your after career during your career. And I hate when people call it a plan B, not a plan B yeah. because sports has an expiration date yeah. and an earlier expiration date than any, probably any other profession. So it's not a plan B because when the push comes to shove, when you look back at your life, when you're sitting on your porch in your sixties and you're saying, you know what, how, how did I, how did I do, you know, your plan B is going to probably be what took more of your time than anything else you did in your plan A. And so um, understanding that I'm pretty proud of my, my, my players. I mean, they've, they've done a good job of, of really finding ways to, to, to get jobs and get careers and build their careers and look at stuff that interests them. And I think it's more power to them, you know, but I think for me, the, the biggest part is staying available, staying, trying to help them out as much as I can. A lot of frustration with the CFL and how things were handled. Still a lot of frustration. I think there was a lot of um, disregard to the player situation for a long time and lack of leadership, lack of plan, lack of a lot of things that have ultimately led to, um, you know, the players kind of being limbo for the longest time. And I mean, CFL is a, is a wonderful league that is on a lower budget. It's not necessarily the league that had the most money but it's a league that has a lot of history mm -hmm. and I think that that's something where if we're able to um, you know build on it that's great and I think players in Canada as a whole has a lot to be proud of but 
we, there has to be a plan for how do we help this league go forward and how do we make it work, especially in a pandemic era. But it's, it's been a, it's been an adjustment, but I think, you know, I've always tried to, you know, uh, apply what I, what I say. And I've been a pretty balanced person myself from a, just a financial standpoint, having the law practice and still practicing law and, and having done so ever since I got my, my degree has helped me uh, not have all my eggs in one basket from a mm-hmm. purely financial perspective of being able to pay the bills. And um, I, uh, you know, I have, uh, you know, following, obviously NFL is playing and my clients in the NFL are, are playing and just trying to hopefully see the, the light at the end of this and hopefully sports get back to normal within the next uh, year or so. So it's kind of how it goes. Yeah, let's hope because everyone's taking a hit. So, so you know, you have uh, players in the NFL and in the CFL as well. And you're also, um, you know, an agent with the NFLPA and CFLPA. You know, what are the kind of what's the difference requirements I guess on your end does it change anything or is it just like you kind of as soon as you have players in in both leagues then you can kind of participate I don't how does this work (laughs) so it's different a little bit Um, okay CFL is pretty straightforward you want to become a CFL agent you apply you write an exam uh, and then you play you pay your annual fees whether you have one client or 100 clients doesn't change anything pay pay to play kind of (laughs) yeah you know you pay your dues and that's fine see it's simple NFL is a little bit more (laughs) A little bit more complex. Um, so you, you apply, you have like a one month a year period where you can apply to be an agent and then you pay a pretty a decent fee, you know, a couple thousand. And um, that's just for the background check. And then, uh, and then they do the background check, to make sure you're not going to steal the player's money and stuff like that. And then uh, and included in that fee is you, you have to write an exam where the passing rate is pretty low. Actually, it's about a, I would say a 40 to 50% passing rate or what I was told. Okay. Okay. Well, it's like a seminar. It used to be, well, I don't know what pandemic, what it is, but it used to be a seminar in, in DC. You go for three days and you write an exam at the end. That if you pass the exam, you end up getting your credentials. So then when you get your, when you pass the exam, then you got to pay your annual fee and your liability insurance, another couple grand. So, you know, already <laughs> you're out of pocket a little bit, but then to maintain your um, certification, you need to um, sign at least one contract like with an NFL team, like one of your clients yeah. has to sign one contract with an NFL team every three years. So every time a player signs, every time one of my clients signs a contract, the three year period kicks in again. Okay. You understand? Yeah. 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 So, so in yeah. one year, let's say you signed five athletes, but they, they don't accumulate. So no. after three years, if none of them resigned, okay. you're out. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> So, like, my latest contract um, would be Ryan Hunter, who signed with the Chargers about a month ago. Anyway, so you're good for three years now. I'm good for three <laughs> years. But it's always a thing in your mind. In a lot yeah. of reasons. So what ends up happening is there was a statistic, a statistic back in the day, back in the, maybe about five years ago, that um, said something pretty crazy. said, um, let me try to remember this exactly. It was um, 50% of the agents, certified agents in the NFL, had no clients. 25% had between one and four. And the other 25% had all the rest. Wow. That's wild. So it's a very competitive business. Yeah. But once you're you're at the top, you stay at the top. Yeah. Once you're at the top, you're doing well. But, but, you know, the three year period is a very tough one for a lot of agents and mm-hmm. they get there and they have a lot of hopes and ambitions and dreams and it's a tough market out there. And you want to get at least that contract to get your three year out of the way, but it's not easy, not easy at all. Does that incentivize, like, do you think that biases agents? Like, cause you kind of have some skin in the game, right? So when you're negotiating something, I guess, like, I don't want to sound malicious, but, like, would an agent ever negotiate something shorter, knowing that they would re-sign probably in that three-year period? No, I don't think so. I mean, okay. I mean, your question is very valid. I think that, logically, if you're able to get a client and who's signing a decent-term contract, let's say a, a drafted rookie, yeah, you know, who's a, that's a four-year deal. If you have a client who's drafted, the chances of you getting another client are pretty good. You know, okay. it's just the, the, they'll want it, you know, yeah. if yeah, you, yeah. it's more for, um, it, it's really getting that first one 
is the toughest one. Yeah. And, and then after that, try, getting the second one, the third one, they're not easy, but, but it's a tough rule, you know? So when I found out that rule, I was like, okay, <laughs> can I last more than three years? And if I do, this is great. I've, I've succeeded. <laughs> and, and, and I got my certification in September of 2015. So mm-hmm. it's been five and I'm okay for another three. So really, I'm going to well done. at the minimum of eight, <laughs> and maybe that'll be it, or maybe it'll be none more, who knows, but it'll be something. So. Oh, that's awesome. I really like your outlook on it. <laughs> I mean, you got it. It's because it's, it's such a tough business, and it's so hard to get in, hmm. that when you're in, you don't, like, I hope it never ends. Like, I, I mean, I, obviously, you want it to last as long as possible. But you also yeah. have to be realistic and say, it'll probably end at some point. Like, yeah, yeah. you'll probably not be the guy at some point. But just enjoy yeah. while it lasts, you know? Like, if any, like, it's like a pro, like a hockey career, right? It's like I was going to say, it's like you made it just as much as Laurent made it. <laughs> what? And you know, at one point, you're going to be too old and you're not going to be able to play anymore. <laughs> but you don't dwell on that. You don't try to think about that. You think about it now. And you say, okay, I'm enjoying it. I remember I was at Super Bowl. Just on that note. I was, I was going to say, how the hell was the Super Bowl? That, but I was at Super Bowl. And I promised myself I got on that plane. And I promised myself that I have to li- enjoy every single second. Like, I have to, even if it's pouring rain in Miami. And I am, like, drenched. Yeah, I yeah. Like, this is the best day of my life. Like, I just don't care. <laughs> <laughs> You don't know if that's going to happen again. And I didn't even think about the pandemic. I mean, it wasn't even because of that. You just No one thought about the pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> you got to enjoy it. So, you know, I try. I mean, I'm saying this now. It's harder said than done. Yeah. But yes, I was actually, it's funny because I was thinking about that two, three days. I was driving. I was like, oh, I just did that. Okay. So I got another three years. So I'm going to be up to eight. I'm pretty good career when it's all said and done, you know, if ever. Hopefully I get to 10 and then I'll, you know, great. And maybe 15. Who knows? We'll see how it develops. <laughs> definitely we're keeps you grounded i was gonna say we're gonna see you five years in that top uh tier just monopolizing yeah, exactly. all the players <laughs> okay quick question was it harder to write the bar or get your nflpa certification the bar the bar yeah 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 no, and the nflpa wasn't easy Okay. But the bar. Let's not. Let's not. Let's I just. I, I figured, but I had to ask, given how difficult the NFLPA stuff is. Bar man, it is tough. I have to say, like, and and I, you know, we've all done our fair share of exams, and some were tougher than others. And I was doing the bar, and I was like, oh, maybe I think this is harder than it is. And looking back on it, I'm gonna be like, it's not that complicated. But no, it, it was. It was. It was tough. I know a bunch of people who've done the bar, and yeah. a lot of them had to take it a second time because yeah. they didn't get it the first. It's hard. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was it was hard, and 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 during this, while I was studying for the bar, Laurent was the draft process. I was in class, and I was literally like on my phone pretty much the whole time. I had to go tell teachers why I was on the phone, like on text. <laughs> I said, "This is we're a class of fifteen. Got the kid on the right who's literally on the yeah, phone. Yeah. The time. Looks like he doesn't care. Looks like you know." And I you're like, like, "I'm working, okay." I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> like, I just I have to do some stuff that are pretty time sensitive especially around the pro day time for sure but it, it all worked out you know it was a good experience so it was a lot of fun that's awesome all right so we want to move on to your company now that you started with your mom vision ahead and after sports for short it's va-as right yeah. um so it's really cool because when i went on your website i was really delighted to see that it's not just about the aspirations of the athletes on the field or on the ice or whatever it's really also what happens afterwards yeah. which i think is really interesting so First off, why did you decide to start a company with your mom? I think that's the coolest thing, honestly. You know what? It, it was, it just was the best situation for us. Um, you know, my, my, how this whole idea started was, uh, you know, I, I, like I said, I'm a fan of all sports and I, I'm not really, I was never really interested by the pro side of hockey when I learned more about it because I just thought the whole business model was a bit um, not to my, what I wanted to do in terms of recruit kids when they're quite young and, they end yeah. up being, uh, you know, 13, 14 years old, have agents. And it's just, you know, it's very complex and it's very, um, you know, too young. Ultimately, it's, I find it's too young and it, yeah. it involved me. Um, but my young, I played tennis my whole, my whole junior career. My brother played tennis. He was a better tennis player than I was and my younger brother. And he ended up um, getting a tennis scholarship to go play Division One tennis in the U.S. And, um, you know, he went there and he, he did great. I loved the experience. And I thought it was just fantastic for him. And ultimately... 
you know, we were, I was talking about, oh, I have this idea of my mom. I was telling you because my mom helped my brother go through the whole process and she learned a lot of things and she, she helped a couple of other kids just to navigate through it. And I say, you know, in Quebec, it's complicated because you don't have grade 12, you have CJEP, you don't know, you know, it's French and English and you don't know how it works. And, and a lot of student athletes don't really get the visibility that they want and they, that they, they deserve and they don't really know how it works. So, you know, um, it would be great to put together a service where we can kind of help the student athletes navigate through that and kind of be a resource for them to, you know, ultimately take advantage of it. And um, I talked talk to that with my mom and I knew she knew a lot about the whole academic side and the, like, the rules and all that yeah. and, and, and all those different things. And ultimately she ended up, uh, you know, I said, listen, are you interested? Let's start this. I mean, we don't know what it's going to do, but it, it's going to work out. And, and so she said, yeah. So, I mean, it was great. It's my mom. I mean, she's my mom and I love her and we, we, we get along great. And, but also she knows a lot, you know, it's not just like a mom and something. This right. is like, she, she knew a lot of things that I didn't know. And we were able to kind of combine forces, her knowledge and her expertise combined with, you know, my knowledge of how to place kids in sports and, mm-hmm. and, and, and that whole aspect uh, is great. You know, our, our, our vision is, you know, VAST is, is an acronym that we, that I developed with, with, um, you know, with the branding, just kind of get it as a sort of, you know, acronym. And it was vision ahead and after sport. And what you want is, you know, use your sport as a tool to get high quality education. And that's something that college sports can offer you, whether you're playing in Canada or in the US. And so we help student athletes from all sports kind of do the, do the different steps and create profiles, contact coaches, help them academically, make sure they have the right academic standards mm-hmm. and, 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 and right um, ways of, of going about it to achieve their goals. And ultimately, um, we help them navigate through all those steps. So, yeah, it's been fun. We started in May of 2018. So we've been going on for about two and a half years. I think, I mean, you definitely have something there because uh, I went to college in the States too yeah. on, on the scholarship. And I came from like a small French school in Ontario where like no one had ever gone to play college right. hockey. So it, it was a process for myself too because like you start yeah. getting contacted by recruiters and you know, I didn't even know the rules. I was like, because yeah. the rules have changed a bunch too. I'm like, yeah. why are they just emailing me? Can I just call? But then there's rule. They can't call you until a certain yeah. age. And then the, at the rink, like you could talk to them, but they can't talk to you. Like mm-hmm. there's all this stuff. And like, yeah. I, my family and I just kind of figured out through um, teammates of mine, because yeah. I was playing kind of outside of my town and, and they were just like, oh, okay, yes, this is how it works, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then with school, I remember like <laughs> we had like a, university day where everyone was going to the fair talking to university and I just didn't even show up and my counselor yeah. was like why didn't you show up I go I don't know I I'm applying to one school I'm, I'm going to that school and she was like you can't just what if it doesn't work I'm like and then she's you know casted yeah. a seed of doubt I was like well, I don't know they told me I'm going like I, I literally just have to do this clearinghouse thing I was like yeah. what is clearinghouse like and yeah. thankfully I had really good grades in high school so it wasn't really an issue but I had some friends who like you know, didn't, didn't do so great in high school for, for a certain reason. They had to like repeat a year because they couldn't get like, um, um, SAT scores up. I don't know. So 100%. you have something because I feel like so many people just don't know how to navigate this. And, and I think most, most athletes probably aren't going to go to a professional level. So also just saying, you know, you can get a high quality education somewhere and also compete at a high level and have like the best four years of your life, which exactly. was my case. Right. So, so, <laughs> so I mean, you have, you have something there. I appreciate that. Yeah, I think so. I think that that's really what, you know, your example is the classic case that we're trying to help. You know, you obviously very, very, you know, you, you, you very successful at hockey and you, you know, St. Lawrence, you had a great career and that's example, you know, that's an example of, of what you, you know, what you've done is kind of what we want our student athletes to do is, and understand the value of grades, you know, how many times yeah. we get kids in grade 10, grade 11, and they're like, oh, yeah, I mean, uh, I do what I got to do. I'm like, no, man, you got to do more. You got to do more. Because if you were, if you get straight A's, or you get a high GPA in grade 9, 10, 11, um, that'll help you because that's going to be counted in your overall GPA. And if you get yeah. academic scholarships, and if you get academic scholarships, if the, the athletic budget is lower, but the academic kicks in, maybe you're, you won't cost anything. It'll open up some doors to different avenues. So, yeah, um, 100%. That's, so are you targeting mainly like uh, university students? I know you kind of mentioned you don't want to work with younger students or not younger students, I guess younger athletes like in the NHL. So for your, the vision of your company, are you talking, 
are targeting mainly university students looking to go get scholarships or oh we we get actually kids that's where we get younger we get kids in okay. grade, nine, grade 10 the difference is when you're working for college it's about getting a degree yeah I have no problem helping a, a 15 16 year old kid 14 year old kid um to try to understand the value of education getting them the value of of, of combining your sport with your studies at a high level mm -hmm. What I didn't like about the hockey side, and I don't mean to disrespect the hockey profession, is just yeah. when you're navigating through arenas and you're meeting with families at 13, 14 years old and, and pitching them your services to help them get to the NHL, mm -hmm. it's a different conversation. Yeah. And versus in pro football, you recruit guys in university, they're, 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 you know, they're 22, 23, 21. They're more mature. They're more ready for what's up, what's coming. Yeah. You know, so, uh, no, we actually, our typical client would be in grade nine or grade 10. We like to start with them in grade nine. And we basically offer the service. Uh, yes. We're with you until you get into university. And so we just placed a you know, hockey player at Harvard. We placed a golfer, uh, a couple golfers right now in the U.S., lacrosse player, uh, football player. Um, so, yeah, you know, prep schools. So we've been able to, uh, you know, uh, do we do prep schools, uh, high schools, CJEPs, you know, basically all the steps leading to college and, yeah. and trying to get, help you get there. Okay, question. Because St. Lawrence actually just announced that they have an esports team now. Like esports nice. is becoming a like sanctioned sport. Yeah, it is. Is this something you think you're gonna break into? <laughs> <laughs> like honestly, I think it's great. I mean, whatever. But like when they announced that, they're like, we have a new sports team. And I was like, what sports didn't exist at SLU? And I was like, esports. I think it's like taken off. I mean, hey, listen. If if. Whether you're a fan of or not of video games, or whether you believe the value of it or not, that's one thing. But if for some, if for some students, having a passion of video games will will help them get yeah. to college and help them get a high, a very quality degree, and maybe save money on tuition and stuff. Great, you know. Cool. Uh, obviously, the same fundamentals of staying active and all that is very important. But but yeah, that yeah. that's that's always something that you gotta taking consideration but i would say that uh i mean i'm not against it at all i mean heck if we get an opportunity with esports esports client i mean i'll tell them teach me how to play madden properly maybe i'll be better <laughs> at it <laughs> what happens <laughs> yeah why not at this point honestly like whatever keeps them going and motivated in school I think that's like the most important part and what's really cool about your your company is that you guys offer so many services um anybody can find those online on your website um but you know I really want to get into the one about post counseling post career counseling service that you offer because I find that very interesting we've already talked about it now that it's not just about what the athlete can accomplish in their sport but especially afterwards because like you said sports athletes there's an expiration date to that so my question for you is you know is that you know this idea of focusing on the future you know the career after sports is that something that you think more sports agents or more sports agencies are beginning to add um you know to their businesses to attract more clients like is this becoming more of a priority you think nowadays because I mean, I, when I was at the Rocket, a lot of the guys, like you think AHL, okay, they're a phone call away from going to the NHL, right? But surprisingly, a lot of them were also in school still. Some of them were taking classes and whatnot. And some of them, some of these same guys got called up for a game or two, and they could very well have a long NHL career, who knows? But they're also keeping school in mind as well. So I find that very interesting that yeah. more even professional athletes are, are looking into this post-career stuff as well. I mean, I think it's the cornerstone of, it should be the cornerstone of every sports agency. I mean, I'm going to be honest with you, you know, when a player gets drafted first round, is that the agent's doing? No, it's not the agent's doing. And any agent who takes credit for that is not being honest about it, okay? Um, sure, you get the odd case where maybe a player was scheduled to go second round and an agent <laughs> placed a couple calls and, and put enough doubt into management's head that they got a first round pick. But my point is, if a player is getting in the first round, he's basically a top three round talent. Now, is that the agent who's done that? No, that's the player who's done that because of his level of play, because of his ability, mm -hmm. because of the way that he's been able to achieve that in pro football or in, pro, in NHL or whatever. But what is the added value of an agent? What is the added value of what an agent can bring? So typically, it was always contract negotiations, right? Which is, I think is very valid. Having somebody who understands contracts can bring you added value in your, in your deal to make you extra money, I think is good. But for me, the after career is so important. And, you know, my acronym VAS is something that I developed. But, you know, my college business we talk about with my mom is called VAS College Recruiting. Vision ahead and after sports college recruiting. 
My pro side, I call it vast management, vision ahead and after sports management. And it's, it sounds similar, but the, the acronym is the same, but the second word is different, which differentiates the two. Point being is that for me, the value of being there and helping athletes for their after career is very important. Not all athletes need it. Not all of them all of them have their own plan. But if some need assistance, some need help, some need um, guidance in that, I'm, I can help with the network I built because of my law practice, the network I built because of working with Laurent, working with other athletes. Mm-hmm. And I think those are things that are important to develop. And I think if you have the right mentality as a student athlete, when you get out of college as a student athlete, yes, you can have a degree in communications, you can have a degree in marketing, or, but it's not about the degree, it's about being able to have successfully achieved that with good grades while doing the sport, while doing the extracurriculars. That says so much more about an individual than it says about just what's written on a piece of paper. And I think that for the pro side, I think more and more agents have to go down that road because that's your added value. That's something that you can, you can help with that the, the athlete maybe did not do while they were playing. They're focused on being the best at their craft. An agent has a lot of added value, but an agent cannot take credit for the player's talent. So if a player is talented enough to get drafted in the early rounds, that's on the player. So what is the added value? Why are you, why are you there? What is the service you're offering? And I, and I think we offer a lot of good, great services, but I think that one in particular is something that more and more should be emphasized on because I think it could do a lot of things. I was actually going to be organizing a fair like almost like a job fair um, in our April of 2020. Uh, it got canceled due to the ca- pandemic, but we were organizing an event where we were inviting uh, people from all different uh, workplaces to come and meet with different athletes, pro athletes, and so they let the athletes discover different areas of work that maybe they'd be interested in down the road. So hopefully something that we can do, but that, uh, once the pandemic uh, allows it, but it's something that I think is uh, could be very beneficial and just goes in the same breath of helping with the after career. Yeah, I think. Have you heard about Maison des Champions? I feel like it's also like umbrella in this. Have yeah. you heard of this company? I've heard about it a little bit, yeah, but I've never really, I never really connected with them yet. Yeah, I think I think it could be interesting just because like they're really focused on a like athletes, military, but also like um, high profile business people, like CEOs. Like, what do you do after you've kind of hit yeah. that peak, but you still have the rest of your life going? And I think they tackle it more of like. Yes, they do have resources for like career paths, but also like emotionally, like how do you handle that? So I don't know. I'm just, I'm sensing a good collaboration maybe down the road. Interesting. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> Appreciate that. Thank Cause, you. Because I think like when your career stops, like even though like I, I didn't necessarily have a professional career, professional women's hockey, so, you know, we're, we're trying to create something. But as soon yeah. as, like, even after college, I like, I was like, oh my God, like it was, I missed it. I didn't know what to do with myself. Thankfully, like I was always really academically driven, but um, I, I think it's an exceptional resource. And, you know, you talked about negotiating. Um, it, it is like a primary part of your job for in certain instances uh, in the athlete's career. I guess like how, how does the negotiation happen? And like, I was curious too, cause like you, I assume you negotiate people's, um sponsorship too yeah. like an athlete sometimes has um side income from their yeah. their just playing career so um i guess is it different if you're negotiating a sponsorship thing is this something you could focus on leveraging post career as a player and how do you prep for these things yeah i think i think the sponsorship talks take way too much place in athletes minds okay i think okay. that um a very few athletes can actually uh, success make a lot of money with that and I think yeah. often they overvalue the market that is out there especially in Quebec mm-hmm. and in Canada um, I think that you know Laura's an exception to that rule I, I do all his marketing and his sponsorship deals and that's a lot of my time and a lot of negotiations I would say that a lot of negotiations back and forth are with sponsorship deals for Laurent, I mean, that's some, you know, he's been able to build himself a nice brand and a nice image in Quebec and in Canada, which has been able to help him kind of, um, you know, develop some opportunities. That being said, um, I think that, you know, we're with him. He's the exception to the rule. The rule is, you know, marketing is something that is a bonus. Do not mm-hmm. expect that to come in. If it yeah. is it's gravy, but focus in on all the other things. I think building something steady, something solid, whether it's entrepreneurial, whether it's a, a, a steady job, whether whatever it is, you know, you can figure mm-hmm. that out. All right. Well, 
I think uh, we're, you know, we're over a lot of time. I, I, we booked you for an hour and, uh, and Zoom is also letting us know. So we had a couple more questions, but you know what, we'll, we'll, so we'll jump to our, our concluding questions now and we'll maybe keep those for another time, Sasha. Um, you know, sure. you, you talk about Laurent again and now, I mean, from what I read online is that you have at least 40 clients and you've negotiated around 50 CFL and NFL contracts. And I feel like truly you've helped shine a light on football here in Quebec and, and on the players that, that, that this province has, has created. So, you know, would you say that you're kind of like the leading source of information, I guess, or insider information on Quebec football or, you know, because I feel like you're, you're the guy <laughs> to go to for that information, especially from the NFL side of things, maybe less CFL, but. I appreciate that. Um, um, I try to, you know, I, I like to consider myself a down-to-earth, humble person. So I, I, I we'll build you blushing. up. We'll build you I'm up. I'm blushing. <laughs> um, listen, I, I think that when it's, I think when it's all said and done, when I look back on my career, I, you know, 50 contracts. I mean, it's all, I'm, I do mostly CFL. It's not just not to get people confused. Like, I, mm -hmm. it's not with the NFL deals. It's mostly right. CFL with a handful of NFL contracts. Um, but um, I, I, I don't value my career on the number of contracts negotiated. I don't value it on the amount of dollars negotiated. I think if I can leave this profession down the road and say that I've helped put Quebec football and Quebec football players on the map, that would be my, my biggest accomplishment. And I take a lot of pride in that. I take a lot, a lot of pride in that in terms of, you know, when NFL scouts are contacting me and asking me who are the next guys to watch, who are the guys to watch in Canada? Um, and then basing themselves on my information to kind of get more, you know, information or data on players up here, I think is great. And look, we've had, you know, around was the first pro day, but then we did a pro day every year since 2016. Um, there's been a, there, there, there's been a, there's been a pro day in Canada, um, that we've developed. So it went not in 2016 with David Onyemata, who wasn't my client, but in 2017, 27, since 2017, there's been a pro day in Quebec every single year with NFL wow. present. And I think that that is something that I've taken a lot of pride in because it's wasn't that was done before. And, um, you know, hopefully we keep that run going. And as long as the players are the quality is there and the, the interest level is there, then I think we can do a lot of successful things. For sure. And I think that's going to motivate players too, right? Because, you know, if you see it, you could be it. Like right now, Laurent, I'm sure, is starting a movement with, you know, young guys, like really pushing for it, seeing his success. And knowing that there are pro days, you know, they're going to – probably work out a little bit harder at the gym, et cetera. I guess yeah, um, it's been great. I mean, look, you know, you look at it from 2016, Ellie Buka from Laval signs with the Arizona Cardinals, you know, 2017, Anthony Eau Claire from Bose signs with uh, Tabak. Oh, still, still athletes. <laughs> right. You know, exactly. Still, still plays and still plays in, in for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, mm -hmm. 2018, um, you know, you get, you get opportunities with, uh, you know, with, with other players and you, you look at the, the opportunity that, that arise. Uh, you know, out of that 2019 Matthew Betts, uh, you know, comes in and signs a contract, um, you know, in the, in the NFL. Uh, 2018, you got Ryan Hunter, who's with the uh, Kansas City Chiefs, uh, who was with the Kansas City Chiefs, who's from Timmy Scamang in North Bay, Ontario, like French, you know, okay, wow. uh, you know, French Ontario. Yeah, football like, there? <laughs> you no, know, exactly. He signed the Kansas City Chiefs now with the Chargers. 2019, you got Matthew Betts. In 2020, you got Marc-Antoine Decois, who signs with the uh, Green Bay Packers. So, Every year since, you know, 2014, uh, you know, 2015 was an off year, but ever since 2014, exception of one year, there's been a player from Quebec who's, who's made the NFL. And I think that's a lot, all the power to them because there are a lot of good football players up here. That's awesome. I guess, sake of time, um, Sasha, someone wants to be an agent. What kind of advice are you giving them? Just go for it. <laughs> go for it. But, you know, we didn't talk about it much, but I think it's important to say, like, I didn't put all my eggs in that. I, I always said to myself, if I become an agent, it's great. But I knew I wanted to become an attorney and I still practice. And it makes my, um, you know, it makes my job a lot more fun when you know that you're not depending on a pandemic yeah. um, to, to pay the bills and not have that stress and or not depending on a player not breaking his leg or getting an ACL tear, but, you know, so it relieves the stress. It allows you to do your job better. It allows, it allows you to, to, to enjoy the process a lot more. And I think that that's a lot of uh, positive things so it's a lot of fun the job it's very stressful you know demanding but it's like anything in life when you want it you go for it and try to make the most of it Sasha awesome. thank you so much for your time yeah. before we let you go can you uh, let us know where we can find you on social media do you want to plug your company's website 
Yeah, so uh, absolutely. No, thanks. First of all, thanks for having me. I mean, I got the email and I thought this was great. Congrats on both of you. I mean, we didn't talk about you guys, but I mean, <laughs> I could be the one asking the questions to, to you guys. We can do Next part time. two if you want. We'll flip it. That's a bonus. <laughs> exactly. You know, I think this was a lot of, this was a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, I know on social media, I'm on, uh, you know, Twitter, Instagram, uh, Facebook. Um, and, uh, you know, you can find me by my, by my name, Sasha Gavami. Uh, you'll find me. Um, my website for... Uh, the college business my mom is is www.vas.college.com and uh, for my business with the pro side with football is vast management it's very simple www.va-as.com so vast.com um, and you'll find uh, my information there very simple website with all the information and if anybody wants to contact me you can social media or through those websites i'll be more than happy to connect Awesome. When we start a league, I'm going to come hunting for you. <laughs> I'm going to be, I need representation. Listen, <laughs> I'm, I'm a big fan of what you guys are doing. So I, I hope that it all can kind of get put together and listen, we can have discussions on, on that, but um, <laughs> if the, I'll leave I'll leave you with this. If, if the pro sports wants to really make a change and make something good. And I'm not saying this because you are there. There has to be budgets allocated from the men's side to apply to the women's side in order to make, to make sports a lot better uh, playing field for everybody because yeah. there's a lot of opportunities. And if you look at WNBA, there's, and you probably, maybe you know the name, there was a woman, I think her first name was Sue. I think it was Sue Bird or something like yeah. that. I forget, you know, and they were comparing. Oh, yeah, for, yeah. LeBron and Seuss. Yeah. Same accolades, but not the same price tag. Yeah. But, but, you know, my counter to that it was always going to be, you know, the CFL plays football like NFL, but they don't make as much money either. But mm -hmm. it's also the budgets. Having said that, in, when you look at the top level of women's sports, top level of women's sports, let's try to get the leagues to put money to that. There has yeah. to be invested to, to create, now maybe not the same amount of money as, let's say, what a Patrick Mahomes is going to make, because that's just absurd. But, yeah. but, but at least make it uh, in a way where we can have strong leagues for both. I think that would be fantastic. That was my editorial piece of this. <laughs> we appreciate it. We love it. it. We love but it. I'm a big fan of it. So hopefully that all works out. We'll yeah. take all the allies we can get. Sasha, thank you so much. No problem. Thank you, guys. This was fun. Subscribe to our podcast, rate and review it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Balado Quebec. You could also find a recording of most of our interviews on YouTube. Show us some love on Facebook and Instagram at Away From The Play and on Twitter at Mel underscore and underscore Sass. You can also follow us individually on Twitter at Sass underscore on the go and for myself at Mel The Rock. Special thanks to Mathieu Brutus for the music and Naima Lou for the logo. Give them a follow on Instagram. We can't wait to see you next week.